On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Basic Training will train you in a spiritual boot camp of disciplines to be prepared to be the army of God. Welcome to Basic Training. This is part six. I hope that you've enjoyed the previous ones. Uh, For some reason, if you happen to just on this teaching, there are preceding teachings and there is also the follow-up. So I encourage you to do all of them. Don't just listen to one and don't put it aside and think this is done. We're talking about basic training. Uh, Everybody that goes into a military service goes through basic training. The purpose of basic training is to prepare them to be and to do what they're supposed to do in that military service. Basically, prepare them to win. Same thing in this, we're talking about in the relationship with God. God has us going through basic training to conform us to his image. The more we look like Jesus, the better we can represent Jesus. And the more that we look like Jesus and look and represent him, the more that his kingdom is advanced on earth. So the reason that we're talking about this because everybody goes through a season to prepare us. Call it a season of testing, call it, we call it the wilderness. But the bottom line is everything, everything that is happening is helping us to grow up so we can be more effective, that we can win. Talked about the weapon. Our primary weapon is the Word of God. And uh, we, the last lesson, we talked about the warfare, the battle of the mind. Now, we're going to continue that because this next section we're going to talk about is the battle of relationships. Why is that important? Well, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. Uh, it didn't sound like anything good in that at all. But it goes on to say, but I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundant. I like that part. But we recognize that the enemy's primary goal is to kill and to steal and to destroy. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to steal and keep you from being who God's called you to be. Matthew 12, 25 is a, is a key scripture for this, this teaching. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every house or city divided against itself will not stand. Okay, this is the principle of the kingdom of God. The enemy also knows this. He knows that he's going to do everything possible to try to get you to think negatively, and through the thinking negatively, he wants to try to divide relationships. And this is the battle that we face here. He wants to divide every marriage. He wants to divide every parent and child relationship. He wants to divide church relationships. He wants to divide work relationships any relationship, and especially the relationship we have with God. So he does everything possible because he knows that a house divided can't stand. So again, warfare. Let's talk about warfare. If you're going to win a war, how do we win that war? We win it by coming in agreement with God and his word. The enemy knows that, wow, I if we're, we're actually in a battle, and I'm going to have to do two things. I'm going to have to get you to think negatively, and I'm going to have to get you to get upset with people to get you battling flesh and blood. Remember, we are told last week, Ephesians 6, we don't battle flesh and blood. We battle spiritual forces of wickedness. So if the enemy can get us battling people and causing and and getting hurt and getting offended and and hurting each other, he keeps us down here. We're never going to win because that's not the real battle. The real battle is a spiritual unseen but forces of wickedness that are trying to manipulate all this stuff that's going on. 
So this is why it's so important to understand the battle, the first in the mind, and now the battle of relationships. This is Matthew 6. It's what we call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, you should be probably familiar with this. It's in this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I don't have enough time to really get into that prayer that much, but in the middle of it, the prayer is that we are to for, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, he goes on to say, which is very interesting, verse 14 and 15 of chapter 6, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive uh, men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So, wow. What is God saying here? Now, I believe what God is saying is, is how important right relationships are. God is a relational God. He is after us having the right relationships. Now, I'm going to make a, I'm going to shift here and I'm going to bring it into the connection. God is love and God is good. And he loves us and he's told us that we're supposed to love one another. I'm going to read out of 1 John chapter 4. This is verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also love one another. Now, I uh, picked this particular passage because it, it repeats over and over and over again that love <clears throat> is the key issue. Because God is love, and because he's loved us first, he wants us to love. And that love is what carries the whole thing. So God is wanting us to understand that, wow, everything is around love. The most powerful force on the earth is love, because love never fails. So how is it practical? It's easy for me to say, oh, I love you, brother. And they say, oh, I love you. Well, let's have a problem and see if we really love one another. And so the establishing here, what, what, what John is saying is that you've got to understand that love is God. And if we really know God, we're going to love. Verse 20 says, if one says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that we who love God must love his brother also. So, and we'll make a shift here because it's really important. We're talking about the issue of relationships. And the highest thing that God has told us to do is to love. He's called us to love him, and he's called us to love one another. And he's very clearly here, he's saying, now don't tell me you love me, but you hate your brother. Now, I want to turn to Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to read a verse here, and, um, and I'm not taking it out of context, but I'm just going to read one verse. This is verse 7. It says, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, 
but woe to the man by whom the offense comes. Offenses must come. Wait, what's he talking about? Well, what he's saying is, is that we can say we love, and I can even believe I love, but let's have an offense and see if I love. And that's what he's saying. Offenses have got to come. Why do offenses have to come? Well, first thing is we live in a world that's fallen. And the devil's always trying to get you upset. He's always trying to bring division. He's always trying to cause a problem because he knows that God has called us to love. And he wants to get you offended with someone else. It's usually those closest to you, those that you work with. So what he wants you to do is to be offended. He wants you to take an offense so that you don't love. So my point is, is that what true forgiveness is, is love in action. So I can say I love someone, but if I'm offended by that person, will I forgive them? Will I really release them completely? Now, I'm going to take this down a little bit further. This is the parable out of Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. So the whole chapter, I just encourage you to take time and read this whole chapter. Verse 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Wow. I mean, you know, it's like, okay. I mean, I'm sure Peter's sitting there going, wow. I mean, seven times a lot. You know, how, is that right, Lord? And he goes, no, how about 70 times seven? 70 times seven. That's a lot of times. Now, remember, it says, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? So, wow, that's a lot. So Jesus tells this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, let me just say, when Jesus tells parables and stories, he makes it outlandish. I mean, 10,000 talents, um, you know, again, I, I don't know exactly what 10,000 talents would have been, but uh, at one, one definition I looked up, a ta one talent was 200 uh, ounces of gold. And so, you know, if you modern day currency, whatever it is, it's it's millions and millions of dollars. He did it. It's so outlandish. So it's like, this is such an amount that nobody could comprehend this amount that this man owed. So he was unable to pay. The master commanded him that he be sold his wife and children and all he had and payment be made. Well, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, and said, pay me what you owe me. Now, this particular amount was probably a week's wages. So we're talking, again, Jesus is making a point here. He's going to this, this unbelievable, multiple, multiple, multiple millions of whatever it was in that day and time that he owed, couldn't pay, he forgave him. But this same man went out in just a very small amount, he wouldn't forgive his fellow servant. But this fellow servant, verse 29, fell down at his feet and begged him. So have patience with me and I will pay you all. It happened to be the same thing that the, the other servant had said to the master, but he would not. He went and threw him in prison until he should pay all the debt. His fellow servant saw what had been done. They were grieved and they came and told their master what he had done. The master, after he had called him, he said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had 
compassion on your fellow servant and that I had on you. And the master was angry and delivered him to the torturers or the tormentors until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. That's that's a powerful passage of scripture. And what's happening here, what, what we need to understand is that Jesus is making a point. He is making a very, very strong point and just saying, look, guys, look, I have forgiven you a debt that's insurmountable that you can't pay. There, there is nothing you could do. You couldn't, you, the only way, and look what he did. Verse 27, the master said he had compassion. He was moved with compassion. That's what Jesus did. He was moved with compassion when he saw us. We're like sheep without a shepherd. He released us. And he forgave us. Isn't that amazing? Now, that's our position in Christ. So what Jesus is saying, look, and remember we read Matthew chapter 6. He said, look, if, if you're asking for forgiveness, then your forgiveness is tied to you forgiving. I, I just give it to you. You go ahead. I have forgiven you, so now I want you to extend forgiveness to those. Complete release. I want you to have compassion. I want you to release them, and I want you to forgive them. I mean, it's a, I mean, complete not expecting anything at all. So the story, the reason the story is so profound is because basically we're that servant that was forgiven that debt that we couldn't pay. And we have a tendency to go out and we hold people for little tiny offenses. We get upset and we won't forgive them. And he's just saying, look, this is not only is it wicked, he calls us wicked because I forgave you, you won't forgive. And then he says he was you'd be turned over the tormentors. The fastest way to torment, the fastest way to the enemy to gain access to us, or at least one of the fastest ways, hold on forgiveness. It 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 affects us. So again, this is the warfare, the battle of the mind is the, the enemy attacks who we are and our relationship with God and trying to get us to set our mind on things on the the, the fleshly world. But the battle of relationships is where he keeps us balled up too. So if we don't understand these two battlegrounds, we'll, we'll never be able to be victorious. So again, verse 35 says, My heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Very, very important. Okay, one more passage here um, that in regard to offenses. This is chapter 11 of Matthew. And uh, this is a passage that when I first saw this, I went, oh my goodness, it's so important for us to understand. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished commanding his disciples that he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. And when John heard who was in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. And he said, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the dead hear. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who's not offended because of me. When I, when I first saw this, I went, wait a minute, this is, this, I don't like this kind of passage. John, who is Jesus' cousin, who is the forerunner, who the one who was out there baptizing, who baptized Jesus, is in prison. Well, he says, well, go 
go see if, if Jesus is the one. I mean, I mean, I'm in prison. I, you know, obviously, if he's the one, he's going to come let me out. Because they all knew the scripture that he, he releases the captives, that out of Isaiah. Well, Jesus says, go and tell him, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. He left out setting the captives free. I'm sure John's going, um, obviously, if I'm his cousin and I'm, I'm the forerunner, he's going he's to come set me free. He didn't do it. So he said, blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Do you understand that a lot of times, not only do we get offended at people, we get offended at God. Because God doesn't come through the way that we think he should come through. So we, we get upset with God. So the point is, and I'm trying to make a point here, is, is this battle is about trying to break a relationship with God and a relationship with each other. Because the enemy knows that if he can get us offended, either offended at God or offended at one another, we will not, we'll, we'll pull back. We just, we won't, we'll pull back and we'll not be effective in the warfare that God has called us to in advancing his kingdom. Now, I want to shift gears here to just talk about uh, how do we really forgive. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath, but give no place to the devil. Well, it's interesting. I remember saying years ago, I go, I, I never could figure out how to do that. I just got angry. And uh, it didn't seem to ever, <clears throat> I did sin. What he's saying is, is that anger is an emotion. So don't deny the fact that you get upset. Don't deny the fact that somebody upsets you. No, he's saying, but, but deal with it in a timely manner. And, and there is grace to do that. So it says, be angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down. Don't give a place to the devil. Because when you do get angry and you harbor unforgiveness, you open the door to the enemy. That's those tormentors. You just might as well let the enemy come in. Well, how do you deal with that? Well, what you do is that you continue reading in this passage. It goes on to Ephesians 4.29. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. <clears throat> wow, that'd be pretty good if we could do that. But what he's saying is, it's in, in, the, in the context of this passage, look, you're going to get offended. You're going, people are going to hurt you. People are going to do things you're not going to like. But the bottom line is, you're going to be able to you, you deal with it emotionally, but don't let those emotions rule you. Don't let that fire and that upsetness rule you. And here's how you don't do that. Don't let that tongue get loose and start talking. But what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So don't start talking and don't start letting that thing go. Because the more you talk, the more that tongue gets out there. And I mean, we'll talk about that in another another lesson here. But listen, that tongue gets loose and you, you, you're going to speak all kinds of wickedness out there and it's not going to be any good. So what do you do? Well, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So it's very, very important to recognize that the way we forgive is to understand we've been forgiven. If you you got to realize that the forgiver lives in you. The forgiver is the one who has forgiven you a debt that you could not pay. And so he's just saying, look, I forgave you, you forgive. You know, people say, well, you don't understand what happened to me. You don't understand what somebody did to me. No, I don't. And so I just can't forgive. You can forgive. It's a choice. 
Now, see, we, we, we want to get into the emotions of it. That's why it says be angry and sin not. Don't let your emotions start running everything, controlling everything. Because, listen, you don't ever feel like forgiving. You feel like killing them. You don't, want to, <clears throat> you don't want to get even. You want to pound them. You know, when you get hurt, you get, get that enemy starts bounding your mind and all this kind of stuff. And, I mean, all you can think about are all the bad things you can do to that person. And God is saying, uh-uh, you got a battle of the mind. Take those thoughts captive. Pull those things down. Be angry, but give it to me. Let that anger go. Don't speak that out. Don't start going negative on people because that's what the end of the battle. This is the warfare we're involved. Let me tell you something. You have to come to a place where you're predetermined to not take an offense. Now, I used to say, well, I, I'm not gonna, I won't be offended, you know, and that's wrong because you get offended. The problem is, what are you going to do with that offense? So be predetermined. People say, how do you do that? Before you're offended, already make a determination, I'm going to forgive. And so you've got to be proactive in your thought process. When somebody, you know, somebody says something or does something, you got to stop it right there and go, well, you know, I am not going to be offended uh, or I'm not going to take that offense. I don't know what they meant. I don't know why they said it. I don't know if it was meant the way it was meant to be, but you know something? I'm going to choose to bless and forgive. I'm not going to take that. And it's hard. This is the battle. You've got to understand this battle. The enemy is always trying to get you to get offended. So that's why you have to stop those thoughts. You know, when somebody, I've had people will tell me, well, did, you should looked at me. I looked at you. you got to be kidding me. You know, well, I just, you were thinking something. That's what the enemy always wants to do. Well, you said this, or you didn't do this, or you ignored me, or you should have done this. And I mean, it's just all that stuff that the enemy is trying to get you upset. you got to stop. you got to win the battle of the mind. Because if you don't win the battle of the mind, you won't win the battle of relationships. And when you understand the power of forgiveness, it is a weapon that God gives to you because it's according to the word. Forgiveness, just a couple of points here about Forgiveness. Number one, it's a decision. It is not an emotion. You don't feel like forgiving. You feel like killing them. So it's a decision of the will. You decide to obey God's word. Feelings will come later. You may say, but you don't understand what they've done to me. I realize there are some horrible things that people do to people. And, and I don't deny that. I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying the power of love is more powerful than anything else there is. Forgiveness does not mean it was okay. People say, well, it's, it wasn't right what they did. You're probably right. It wasn't. It doesn't mean that you agree with what someone did. you got you got to understand what forgiveness is. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Forgiveness is for you. It frees you. So when you understand that, whoa, you mean I got the key to getting free? You do. Forgive. Choose to love. How real love? Forgiveness. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Wow. He forgave. Now, I want to take us down to this last part here. I just, well, this is a powerful key here. This is Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28. It says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. 
Now, this is a this is a powerful passage, and I, and I want to walk through it just a little bit. So number one, it says to love your enemies. It didn't say just love your friends or your neighbors. It says love your enemies. And why? Because love never fails. Love is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. And what is love? Let me repeat it again. It's forgiveness. It's choosing to forgive. It's the act of the will you choose to forgive. And so that's why love is so powerful. That's why the first thing it says, love your enemies. Now, we're supposed to love one another, but this is saying love your enemies. Second thing is, do good to those who have hurt you. Well, how do you do that? Well, you got to think of ways to do good. You have to think that, you know, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you start thinking and praying and asking God, how can I do good to a person who's hurt me, to a person who's really violated me? I mean, it's, it, it's hard. I didn't say it's easy, but I'm saying you want to get free? You really want to know how to get free? You start praying about how can I do good? Oh, the third one is bless those who curse you. Mm. Wow. Okay. To eat them, let's just think about this for a moment. Somebody's blatantly cursing you. Somebody hates your guts. And the Bible says, won't you bless them? Wow. There is power in blessing. There is power in love expressed. There is power in practically doing good. This is not easy to do. So please hear me. I'm not saying making light of this. I'm telling you, you really want to get free? You really want to win? This is how you do it. And the last one is pray for those who spotfully use you. So I have people come up to me after I've shared this and they'll say, but, you know, I had a father or a mother that abused me and um, they're dead. How can I do that? Um, in your prayers, and your thoughts, you can choose to bless them. You can choose to love them. You can choose to, to release them and to, and to release yourself. It frees you. Now, remember, forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is not for somebody else. It frees you. The more you forgive, the more you release, the more you get released. So the forgiver lives in you. So he's saying, look, you can do it. There's power in there. You can do it by the Spirit. The more you do, you release. So the reason I go through this passage, it's also listed in Matthew, is because if you really want to get free, this is a key passage to really getting free. Choose to love. Choose to forgive. Choose to do good. Choose to bless. And that's with your words. Start blessing them. Lord, I bless Fred. I bless Sally. I bless her. Really pray blessings upon them. Um, we had years ago, we had a business deal that went bad. And, and the guy told us to he was going to sue us. And we finally settled and got it over with. And the Lord said, you're not through. You, you need to forgive him. And uh, so we, my partner and I, we, we didn't really want to, but we did. We chose to forgive him. Uh, a couple of weeks later, the Lord spoke to me and said, you're, you're, you're not through. I want you to go bless the guy. Go bless the guy. Man, I, we still want to kill him. You know, not really. But we'd forgiven the guy. I went in and I told my partner, I said, we got to bless the guy. He goes, I am not. You bless him. I'm not doing that. So anyway, we did. We sat there and we prayed. We forgave him. We blessed him. And we really wrestled with this because it, it, it was not right. We didn't do anything wrong. and but we But we blessed him. We blessed him. We blessed him. Six months later, I was, um, the Lord said, how's the business going? And I was in charge of the business affairs. I said, boy, the business is going really good. When did it start? I went, oh my gosh. So I called my partner and said, hey, business really been going good. She has the best six months we've ever had. I said, when did it start? He, he had a little book. He looked back. He started in April. 
I said, what happened in April? He said, I don't know. He said, I guess business turned around. I said, that's when we forgave that guy. Lord blessed him. Well, I mean, it's just silent on the phone. Oh, my gosh. I said, yeah. So God made it clear. The power of blessing is huge. So, Father, help us to love. Help us to really learn how to bless. Help us how to learn how to really forgive and release people. Help us to understand the battle of relationships, that the enemy does everything possible to try to divide. He is a thief. He's a murderer. He's a liar. And he does everything possible. Help us to live by the Spirit, in love, in blessing, and in releasing people. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We just thank you now in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.